Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor Neese, and I am so excited to share with you today. My wife, Brittany, and I have four kids. Nora, our daughter, is eight. We have twin boys, Cohen and Jones, that are six. And then Crosby, my youngest son, is four. And we've been at OCC for about the last 13 years. Over the years, I've served in a variety of roles. I currently serve on the advisory team. I also teach the, the boys in our kids' zone ministry. And I serve as a coach for some of our small group leaders. And I am so grateful for the community at OCC. God has used the past 13 years at OCC and the people here to really strengthen my marriage, to retool my parenting, and to shape my perspective in so many ways. One of the areas that my perspective has probably been shaped the most is this area of work, more specifically, the purpose of work. And my goal today is to talk about some of these perspectives and to look at what the Bible says about work. Today's message is in a series we've called The Quest. So far in this series, you've heard from some of our associate pastors, Scott, Cody, and John, and they've given some really encouraging messages. They are faithful men who we can look to as our leaders and our pace setters. But let's be serious. We expect our pastors to have a kingdom focus. After all, it is their job. But today, you get to hear from me, for better or for worse, a non-pastor, volunteer, non-staff member. The reality is that our church is made up of mostly non-staff members, and it's tempting for us to leave the kingdom work to the paid staff. However, God desires all of us to make our lives about kingdom work, regardless of if we collect a paycheck from the church. Today's message, we're going to look at the quest for legacy. We all desire to have a life full of meaning and purpose. We want our work to count towards something. But before we get too far in the message, let me define what I mean when I say work. Work can mean your job, but it doesn't mean just your job. When I say work, I simply mean expending mental or physical energy toward accomplishing the tasks in your different areas of responsibility. Now, this most obviously includes your job or career if you have one, but it also is work to stay and care for the home, for your parent to stay home with kids, or for your student, it's work to study, to perform well in your classes. Whatever responsibilities God has given you, it's going to take work, both mental and physical energy, to steward those well. And if we're not careful, we will spend far too much energy and time trying to build our own legacy and not nearly enough energy and time building God's kingdom. And why is this? Well, it's the pull of the American dream. I recently heard the American dream described this way. The American dream is to live in a good neighborhood so that I can go to a good school and get a good education so that I can get into a good college that I, so that I can get a good job so that I can make a good living and ultimately I can buy what I need but more importantly what I really want. Put simply, the American dream is to have enough money to buy everything I want. And this approach is not new. It actually even predates America. Habakkuk 1.16 refers to this approach to life. and says, therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury, 
and enjoys the choicest food. In this passage, you see a disproportionate amount of value and emphasis placed on a man's work because it's the source of his luxury. Am I the only one that finds the American dream incredibly appealing? It's almost like the pursuit of the American dream runs deep in all of us. Now let me tell you a little bit about my family and my upbringing. My dad, he got his undergraduate degree at UC Santa Barbara. He worked in public education for over 30 years. And just a few years ago, he retired as a deputy superintendent for one of the largest school districts in the state of California. My mom came from a very successful family. Her father, my grandfather, was a very successful businessman here in town and provided a very nice life for my mom and her siblings. My sister, she's two years older than me. She attended UC Berkeley, where she graduated with honors and double majored. She got her PhD from UCLA in psychology and now works as a professor at Loma Linda University. She's an incredibly accomplished researcher and very well known in her field. In fact, if you Google my last name, chances are you'll have to scroll through countless Google results pages before you find anything about me. It's all about my sister and her many, many accomplishments. Now, let me be clear. My dad, mom, and sister are not bad people. They're actually great people, and I love them dearly. And I'm not even saying that they've sold out for the American dream. Actually, my sister is incredibly humble and one of the most down-to-earth people you'll ever meet. She's poured out her life using her research in psychology to help children with disabilities. And she's been quite successful, even winning many national awards. However, you never know about her success if you talked about her. What I'm saying is that this type of success and these accolades were really valued in my upbringing. And to this day, those things are very attractive to me. And if I'm not careful, my motivation to work hard can be easily twisted into a keen desire for success, status, and accolades. In my current line of work, if I'm honest, I feel a strong desire to climb the corporate ladder. I want people to be impressed by me, by my title, by my status, by my accomplishments. And I also want material things. I want a nice house. I want brand new furniture. I want a nice car. I want to be able to buy trendy clothes. Now, mostly want to buy trendy clothes for my kids because let's be serious. You won't find me on the cutting edge of any fashion trend. My goal is simply not to be decades out of style. Now, you might be asking, what's wrong with the American dream? After all, doesn't God want me to work hard so that I can enjoy my life? Not all desires wrapped up in the American dream are bad, but there's definitely some holes. First, the American dream puts all the emphasis on this life and earthly treasure. There's a helpful scripture in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, which talks about this concept. And it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've heard a pastor describe life on earth as the front porch to eternal life. Now picture this. You've breathed your last breath here on earth. And you're walking into eternity. You're about to enter the gates of heaven. But before you do, you're standing on a grate. And from underneath the grate, flames come up and they burn everything. They bring everything that's temporal, the stuff you've accumulated here on earth, suddenly disappears. And all that remains is eternal treasure. 
Peter also kind of talks about this and this concept in 2 Peter 3, 12 through 14. Let's look at that verse. It says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. Let's keep reading. It says, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. The next time you feel yourself pulled toward the pursuit of the American dream, which, trust me, won't take long, ask yourself this question. What is the internal impact of this pursuit? In reality, the American dream will cause us to spend our lives chasing status that we'll never be able to fully achieve and approval from others that only God can provide. When we get caught in this vicious cycle, it's extremely hard for us to get traction and spend our energy and time on things that really count. It's not that all parts of the American dream are bad, but they have a strong pull in our hearts, and if unchecked over time, will cause our hearts to be oriented towards status, possessions, and fun. So if we're saying that the purpose of work is not just the American dream, it's not just to get a high-paying job or for impressive status or ultimate financial freedom, then what is it for? What's the purpose of work? I know for me personally, I strive to faithfully work on the tasks that God has given me so that I can bear my responsibilities, give generously, and bring honor to God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11-12 is a really helpful passage that talks about this. It reads, And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Here's the key question we need to ask ourselves. Am I working so that I can grow my own legacy or further God's kingdom? As appealing as it is to grow our own legacy, finding purpose in God's kingdom is far more significant and will far outlast any legacy I could ever build for myself during my time on earth. And I personally feel the tension between building my legacy and God's kingdom all the time. There's almost always competing goals that I'm trying to sort through. A good recent example of this is when we are presented with the opportunity to give towards Advanced Horizontal, our capital campaign to secure a permanent church property. At that time, Brittany and I were closing the chapter on an aggressive debt payoff journey. We had been saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, but we were almost done. I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was really motivated to pay off my debt so that I could be freed up to spend the money however I wanted. I really wanted to do our backyard. However, I realized that in order for Brittany and I to buy up the opportunity to give towards Advanced Horizontal, it was going to require us to sacrifice progress on paying down our debt. And the reason that we decided to do this was because of the opportunity to invest in a church that has already had such an impact on our family and the lives of many others, but also to invest in something that would far outlive Brittany and I, and Lord willing, will continue to have an eternal impact in the city of Riverside for generations and generations to come. Now, let's assume you're convinced. Let's assume you agree that the American dream falls short of God's plan for our life and that you have a desire to live for his kingdom. The question you may be asking is, how do I actually do that? 
How do I make the shift from building my legacy to growing God's kingdom? Your first step may be to calibrate your compass. If true north on your compass points to a set of values that is not aligned with the Bible, then you will constantly be pulled off course. In order for your compass to point towards God's ways, you must begin to choose to value things that are important to God. This is particularly important as you make decisions about your work and your life. If my goal is to build my own legacy, then I'm going to make decisions that prioritizes success, status, possessions, and maybe even a little fun. However, if my goal is to build God's kingdom, I will likely put a higher priority on availability for ministry or time to invest in my family or opportunities to serve in a local church body. Very likely, you will be faced with opportunities that force you to choose between these two sets of values. For me, this happened several years ago when I was presented with a job opportunity. At the time, I had what I would describe as my dream job. I oversaw the recreational sports program at a local university. My job consisted of refereeing flag football games, developing student leaders, and occasionally even chaperoning snowboarding trips to Mammoth. Some might say that I got paid to play. And my plan was to work in this role for a very long time. However, I was approached about applying for a different job at the same institution in the business development area. Initially, I had no interest in leaving my dream job, but I soon realized that God might be providing an opportunity to meet some of my other goals, and this was something that I really ought to consider. While the job transition would require me walking away from a fun job and sacrificing maybe some job satisfaction, it was going to free up my nights and weekends so that I'd be more available for my family and church ministry. It was also going to pay a little more, which would put less pressure on my wife's income. And I'm sure glad that I decided to accept that position because less than two months after I made the transition, Brittany and I found out that she was pregnant with twin boys. My new role allowed Brittany to work far less after the twins were born. God's going to present all kinds of opportunities for you, which is going to cause you to sort these values and decide what's truly most important. Think about your values. What things are most important in life? We all have desires and lots of them, but what do you desire most? Think about a recent decision you made that might have exposed these values. If you've identified that you need to make a value shift, one way you might need to do that is by reframing your identity. What drives your motivation for work might be wrapped up in your core identity and how you draw a sense of purpose and meaning. It's easy for us to define ourselves by our career or job. Think about when you're meeting a person for the first time. You'll likely ask their name, maybe if they're married, if they have any kids. But one, what is another one of the first questions you ask? It's, what do you do for work? It's a natural question. It would be very easy for me to define myself and my identity as Taylor Niece, who's married to Brittany, has four kids, and is the Dean of Admissions at California Baptist University. Now, those facts about me are not untrue, but they are missing a key part of my identity. I'd like to tell you a story about a friend of mine who once defined his identity for me in a way that forever shaped my life. This happened during my early years at OCC, but I refer to this experience regularly, and maybe it will shape your perspective like it did mine. This was several years ago, and my friend owned a window washing business. He was a hard worker, provided for his family. However, this job wasn't the most impressive. Outside of work, he served at a high level in ministry. He volunteered countless hours towards moving the kingdom forward and devoted much of his energy to starting a church. I remember he told me one day, Taylor, 
my identity is not as a window washer. I do that, meaning wash windows, so that I can do this ministry. And my primary identity is a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is trying to live his life in line with the Bible and trying to help others that God puts in my path to do the same. I'm grateful that God has provided a job as a window washer so that I can be responsible for my different areas of stewardship as I try to build God's kingdom. Wow, this perspective rocked my world and challenged me to find my identity and value as a disciple of Jesus Christ as opposed to my job or career. As opportunities present themselves, ask yourself whether or not the opportunity will help you build your legacy or God's kingdom. Several years ago, I was presented with another job opportunity that, on the surface, honestly seemed like the perfect job. It was going to pay me significantly more. I felt like it was a great fit for my God-given skills and talents. I felt like I would enjoy it. It allowed for a lot more overlap between my job and my ministry, and it was going to allow me to work with one of my closest and dearest friends. It checked nearly all the boxes, except one very big box. This opportunity was going to require me to leave OCC. I prayed about the role because I told the person I would, but I knew from the very beginning that there was no way in the world I was going to accept this job. You see, my family and I, were committed here. We have benefited so much from this community and are deeply invested in this body of believers. We want to spend our lives being used by God to help people at OCC take their next steps with Jesus. For our family, we believe that God has us here we have committed to being a part of the ministry. Therefore, unless God audibly calls me, I just don't see myself ever leaving this church for a job. And I know there are situations where God moves people on from OCC for jobs, and that is completely okay. What I'm saying is that for me personally, my identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ makes my church commitment a huge factor in whatever job I take. Another way to work toward furthering God's kingdom is to view your work from a biblical lens. The Bible actually has a ton to say about the area of work. One of the first things you need to determine is who are you working for. Colossians 3, 23-24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It is much easier to have an appropriate perspective on work when you work to please God and not to impress man. It's also helpful to develop a long view of work. The average person will spend his or her life working more than any other waking activity. Work can be long and it can be hard. And guess what? That's okay. Galatians 6, 9 provides some encouragement. It reads, Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. My encouragement to you is don't give up. Don't be discouraged about the amount of work ahead of you. A good, long-term career is made up of many individual good days. And it's okay for work to be hard. Psalm 128.2 says, You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Mondays can be a grind, and that's okay. God actually didn't intend work to be easy. When you find yourself getting tired, refuse to give up. Instead, ask God to help you to do the next right thing. Another way to work toward furthering God's kingdom is to grow in generosity toward kingdom things. I once heard someone say that your heart will follow your wallet. You value what you invest in, 
The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we are actively trying to build a legacy for ourselves, it becomes very easy to hoard our possessions. And one way to combat this tendency is to be open-handed with our resources and freely give toward kingdom efforts. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 reads, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Finally, a way to work towards building God's kingdom is to contribute in the ministry through service. We all have a role to play in church. God needs more than just pastors to carry the ministry load. And I get so fired up to think about all that God could accomplish through our church, OCC, if we are all bought in at a high level and willing to sacrifice our legacy for his kingdom. Take a look at this description of God's intention for our churches in Ephesians 4:16. It says, "From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work." And here's my charge for us OCC. Imagine the kingdom impact that we could have if we are a group of people united by our focus on God's kingdom. We're not all vocational ministers, and we can't be, but we're a group of people spread throughout the workforce and throughout the city, focused, contributing to a higher purpose than our own legacy, but working to build God's kingdom. If you sense a need to shape your perspective on work, you may want to consider taking one of these next steps. Talk to someone you trust about your compass or your value system and confess with them a struggle in one of these areas. Another is to choose gratitude and to thank God every day for your work and responsibilities and to ask him to give you the right perspective. Another next step for you may be to be more open-handed with your earnings and support a kingdom effort. And finally, I would encourage you to get exposure to people who are pursuing or have left the right legacy. Whether that's people that are alive that you see as setters who are living this out or maybe studying biblical heroes who have left the correct legacy. I am so grateful for the opportunity to share with you today. The concept of work is an area in my life that God is continuing to shape. I hope this message has been helpful for you and has provided some practical ways that you may be able to start building God's kingdom through your work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for work. Thank you for the opportunity to bear our own responsibilities, God. I pray as we seek you, God, that you would use our efforts, our time, our energy, and our work to further God's kingdom. God, we, we want to serve you, and so would you help us to do that, God? Would you provide insight into practical ways that we could shift our perspective and our values so that we can leave an eternal impact? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. 
Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.